0: Now keep in mind that I'm an artist and I'm sensitive about To fuck around is human, to find out is divine. This is the I Refuse podcast. So there's a county in my state that has been sending an exorbitant amount of children handcuffed to the ER for psych evaluations. And it's bullshit. This is Mr. Fox Podcast. I'm back. In the last couple of seconds of the previous video, I, want, I brought up a question as to why there are schools, not only in my state but in this country, that are sending a lot of kids under the age of five to the ER in handcuffs. And here we are. So, I was down here minding my business. Oh, hello. I'm Mr. Fox. I Refuse Podcast. Welcome back. If this is your first time to the channel, to anything near the I Refuse Podcast, we, we typically tend to talk about pop culture, music, movies, and stuff like that. But really, the crux of the podcast is having discussions around social issues, cultural issues, and really uh, put our own two cents into it. And as somebody that has come up in the grade school system, I felt it necessary to talk about this one particular thing because... We've been out we've been outside for a long time, right? And one thing we notice is that the climate in teacher-student relationships, faculty administration, state sourcing, resourcing, financing, the whole the whole realm of the education system has been pretty wild since I graduated from high school. Not saying that my growing up in the school system wasn't, you know, super stellar. Um, But definitely what's very telling these days is the response to otherwise just routine, day-to-day, we all come to expect these kind of situations it's the handling of the kids that's most troubling to me and how the people with who are supposed to have the most maturity and be the most certified and the most professional resort to in my opinion damaging kids that age. Damaging any child. So, welcome. Welcome. There is a county in my state that it's been revealed recently that they have been sending children as young as five years of age and children, just children in general, from this one particular Um, school over a hundred times within the past calendar of school year and handcuffed you know the police cruiser comes pulls up to the school handcuffs the kids sends the kids to the ER for a psychiatric evaluation It's later been discovered that schools across the country have been doing this for a while, to the tune of almost a range of 800 or so kids to even more. But the process has been used over the last eight years. So, in this particular county in this particular in my state, there is what's called is a there's a petition of some kind or a, um, a state law. Sorry, state law petitions for emergency evaluation, which is meant to be limited with to people with severe mental illness and consider an endangerment to other students and faculty abroad now what's come out of that in reality is that some of these kids are reacting out of frustration to being bullied and being targeted in in class and in school and just childhood frustration i would surmise you know frustration from not being heard frustration from not being understood Frustration from not being accepted. And as somebody that's been through the grade school system, I can give you a bevy of experiences that either I've gone through or I've experienced in the same classroom with other kids that over 95% of the time, a teacher's response to a, a child, a teenager, a preteen, Specifically in grade school and middle school is when they are acting acting up or acting out or being a little bit disruptive, within an earshot of the first couple of sounds, the first reaction is always to send that child to the principal's office or sit them in the hallway, away from the other kids, away from an opportunity to educate them there's little to no patience in dealing with this particular child at this time. And I went to school with a lot of weirdos. Like, going to school, public school, you are, you get a real experience. And weirdos probably wasn't the right term in this climate, but that's That's just what it is. Like a lot of different kids from different areas and different realities, Um, a lot of latchkey kids, um, single kids from single parent homes, Um, and you know, interesting kids that are not developed in some way. But this is what school is. So for this state law to be enacted and this is and this is the data that's come out of that from from that data people have discovered that the percentage the the greater or higher percentage of children being sent to the ER for psych evaluations handcuffed from the classroom are black children. Now for the longest time, longer than I've had the podcast, and I've even talked about it on the podcast along the way, is the handling of Black lives, not just adults, but also especially children. And over the last five or ten years, I've seen a lot of um, stories coming out as to how grade school children and middle aged children are handled in a classroom setting, to where, you know, the teacher up front is expecting some kind of compliance not getting it whether it's the the kid isn't refusing to leave the classroom not physically assaulting anybody or if it's an adult uh, 18 19 20 year old child and the teacher is a sub and The student is just simply asking questions. The sub is not adequately answering the questions about the assignment. The teacher is not liking the direction of the nature of the tone of the conversation. Police officers are pulled in. They arrest the child and violently at that. We need to start having a discussion around de-escalation, um, emotional intelligence, and this is more on the, the shoulders of the adult in the classroom. The, the teacher that's supposed to be the leader and the principals and the faculty that, that claim to be telling communities, oh, we're here to inspire and motivate the kids. Yet, you have, in that pool of, in the faculty, Teachers that are just more interested in getting a check. This is just another day of the week for me. I'm not entirely invested, nor do I care about some of these kids. Like, you're not having a dialogue or a conversation to figure out what's going on or understand where the child is coming from. You just want them gone so you can move on with your day and your life. But when you call in like resource officers who have guns and flashlights and you call in actual police officers, which is miles ahead of calling the principal down here, calling other faculty to address this matter. You got to be aware as to the the psychological damage that you're doing the kids these days. So, going into this article and going into this this new reality, that we are, this is where we are as a society, and we long should have had a conversation about the distinction between this is a place to learn and... This this is a place that's my job and my career and I need to as a teacher, as a principal, as a member of the faculty, be place a line in the sand where I'm the teacher, you the student. I need to get out of get it out of my head that this is not a place where I'm to babysit babysit your kids, but also not disrespect children. And honestly, in my opinion, calling the police and causing such psychological damage on kids is disrespectful of the child. I'm a dare kid. I don't know... Where things kind of went awry. Like nobody from this. This channel is saying. Yeah you should have more. You should bring that back. Like yes we should definitely bring. You know more police officers back. And meet with the kids and stuff like that. No. Because clearly the climate. Is at a point where. To a degree. We can't trust. We can't trust them. We can't trust 12. Um, so that's not going to work. But clearly when we go as the adults in the the classroom from zero to level five, because we don't have time for this. Like you're supposed to school the kids another way. But here we are in society where we are this is now a this is now an, an option. And the reality is it's more the black kids facing this in schools. You know how trim- how trauma-inducing it is to see a police officer more than most likely with backup come into your classroom and arrest you as a person of color in this country. And then when you think about what the state law says and how other people interpret it. that this option is only meant for people with mental health issues who are a threat or a problem towards other kids. And then most of the kids are black. It gives this implication that we have mental health issues. And here's the other thing. When you... um when you resort to that being, what? The other option, the last option, repeatedly, people are gonna realize you're misusing it. And when you misuse something, dare I say you open the door for the state coming in, the government coming in, ...to take the school back from you. And then I started to think about it. I'm like... On the one hand, I understand the frustrations. Like, you're saying you don't... You claim you don't have the resources to... I guess, adequ- adequately... Um, serve the problem or remedy or resolve the problem, yet you want more pay. And this, this kind of thing is not, is not up to us. Like somewhere along the lines, um, if we're at this point where you're sending more kids in handcuffs, and then to get psychiatrically evaluated. My thing is this. Don't you got to get the parents involved at some point? Because I read up on some of the schools out of this county, Wicomico County. And I'm like, this doesn't come off like a a school with one of those developmental schools. So what do you, what do you, why are you doing this? You know what I mean? Like what, and I, like, I would, it would beg me to think, are y'all specifically targeting black kids? But back to my point before I just cut my own self off. Where are the parents? Because I honestly feel like you would have to, as a parent, the school would have to run through you. A a phone call, a Zoom call, a meeting. Um, There's paperwork or something involved to grant a school permission to get your child psychiatrically, psychiatric evaluations. Like once we get to a point that you're doing all this because you don't want to deal with the kids, it makes me wonder like, maybe you're not cut out to be a teacher. it makes me wonder what the path to this point looks like. Like, how many times did you meet with the 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 parents? Because trust to believe, in the D.A.R.E. era, in the late 80s, early 90s, parent-teacher night was a thing. Parent-teacher conferences was a thing. And if your mother, if you're a from a single parent household and your mother works during the day or has to work third shift but she had to come straight to the school after getting off of work before going home to address your badass shit and it could be anything from you're talking too much in class you're being a little bit disruptive like more more parents were, were hands on And a parent-teacher conference was all that was needed for you to fall back in line. But when did it get to this point? Like, I have a theory as to when. You know, they probably looked at the climate elsewhere in the country. It was just like, oh, well. But it's like you're kind of taking the power out of the teacher's hands. And what kind of workshops are you giving the teachers as a district, as an administration? Um, Problem resolution, um, situational de-escalation, emotional intelligence. Like, what are the workshops and the... um, the you know, is that part of this the recertification process? Like it's not it's not that hard. Like, I understand what Comico County is on the other side of the state of Maryland. You know, far from the cities. No, dare I say it, it's it could It could very well be Amish country, but that's only me being petty. Like, they're not of the real world, right? They're not expecting to come into into work thinking, oh, well, you know, they're not used to, I guess, the level of shit that comes with being a kid. And dare I say it, there's probably not a lot of kids that look like me over there. I know the few times I've gone over there and not to like mess around because I'm like, look, you don't have enough street. But anyway, see a tangent. So it, it just, it just makes me wonder, like y'all could have, y'all took, Y'all allow, I guess, the state and the government to take the responsibility out of the teachers and the faculty's hands to adequately empower and embolden the teachers and educate and inform the teachers in line with where we are as a society by giving them an easy out at the detriment of black children. Thus locking us out of education, the, the necessity of it, um, thus keeping us behind a certain line. Like you gotta actually think about it. This state law is the first step to involuntarily admit black children to psychiatric hospitals. It's like screw time out, screw sitting in the hallway behind a desk to cool off, like bypass a guidance counselor, bypass calling the parents and having a couple of conferences, like you want to admit these kids to psychiatric hospitals under a state law specifically reserved for people with mental health issues. You want to do all this, for misbehavior. And I can go into a whole conversation as to the, the connection of capitalism to privately owned hospitals, psychiatric wards, and how satisfying a quota such as that that's of hospitals and how that, you know, translate into more funding, just like it would translate into quotas with jails and how that plays into this similar data as to how it's more black people and people of color going into jails than white counterparts, than our white counterparts. Like it's it's all interrelated. It's all interrelated. And in how and how systemic that it is. And that's A list of reasons as to why I have this podcast. To talk about that kind of stuff. Like this isn't. This isn't rocket science. Like this is. There's a thread that connects all of this. I'm telling you y'all. There's a whole. World of. Information that news and news pundits won't tell you. They don't have the time of the range, really. And it's in the history. It's in the history of this country. And one thing I've always said on the I Refuse podcast is racism still exists. It's just people are more adept at um or n- not as adept at uh, being covert about it. It's definitely new. Nu- it's definitely nuanced, and this is one of those um, glaring, glaring examples of it. Like, could you imagine? You drop your kids off at school. Your kids are being bullied. Your kids are frustrated. And being, you know, to be an adult and not be capable to handle emotions of a person two, three times smaller than you. It makes me wonder, do teachers really care? Like, whatever happened to that, you drop your kids off, they're frustrated. And more often than not, it's a there are multiple instances. This is definitely like building up. Like there's something that's been going on for a while. Behind the scenes at school, and teachers can be very unfair in grading teachers can be unreasonable that's a reality that follow that is even in college and teachers i mean and students are very very smart, but it's it's like we gotta have a discussion around. You know, accountability for the teachers and the faculty. Like, what do y'all also bring in, into that classroom that these students are just not responding well to you? But I bet if you start putting teachers' pensions on the line and putting their certifications online, on the line, on the cutting board. Like there has to be a checks and balances in in playing. There has to be an overhaul of, you have to satisfy Or keep this particular standard or rating throughout the school year. Because not only are you supposed to teach, but you're also supposed to inspire and create an environment that motivates kids to learn. Take your ego out of it and actually make the children the focus. Of the experience. Even when I was growing up, a lot of prideful teachers, especially by the time I got to high school and then the college, college it was just like, is this a classroom or a sweatshop? And maybe students in in middle school, high school are unaware that the guidance counselor, the principal, everybody up there in their front office that has a job up there are supposed to be there for you. this is where we are right now and this is very troubling like they're sending kids to the er in handcuffs to possibly most likely involuntarily admit them to psychiatric hospitals before i get up out of here i wanted to let you know that this is an exclusive only for our Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, iHeartRadio listeners, followers, and subscribers. The YouTube channel does not get this exclusive segment. Ciao! In the latest chapter of Frivolous Lawsuits, You know, earlier on the podcast, I believe late season four, last season, we talked about the chicken nugget lawsuit out of Florida. To get more details as to what I'm referencing, you'd have to go back to season four of the I Refuse podcast and find that episode where we talked about the chicken nugget lady, Sue McDonald's. Got a hefty lump sum because a chicken nugget went somewhere and made contact with a child in the back seat. So recently within the last couple of months, we have been very, very fortunate and honored as a society to find that. The franchise, the corporation that is Panera, is facing some controversy, but also wrongful death lawsuits stemming from customers who have drank their charged lemonade, aren't end up dead. So, I was here minding my African-American business, and I don't really pay too much attention to white people these days, but I was on Bing, that's my homepage, come to find out that not too long ago, actually this happened in September of 2022, where a 21-year-old woman went to a Panera after drinking charged lemonade they say that Sarah Katz experienced cardiac arrest while at the restaurant with friends and died after being transported to the hospital upon which suffering a second arrest according to a lawsuit that was filed Monday morning in Philadelphia her parents are seeking Compensatory and Punitive Damages In the autopsy report, the medical examiner cites Kat's cause of death as cardiac arrhythmia due to long QT syndrome. The syndrome is a disorder that can cause fast and irregular heartbeats that can be life-threatening. She was diagnosed with this when she was 5 years old and managed symptoms by taking medication and limiting caffeine. Most energy drinks contain large amounts of caffeine, added sugars, vitamins such as B vitamins, and other legal stimulants. Panera's charged lemonade includes sugar, caffeine, coffee, coffee extract, and guarana extract, which are both sources of caffeine. Health professional, professionals have warned that young people who consume energy drinks can encounter dangerous side effects, such as dehydration, irregular heartbeat, and heart failure. People with certain heart conditions could be more sensitive to the stimulating effects of these drinks and could be more susceptible to adverse effects. However, Katz was reasonably confident it was a traditional lemonade and or electrolyte sports drink containing a reasonable amount of caffeine safer to drink, the lawsuit says, adding that Panera misled consumers by properly lab- not properly labeling charged lemonade as an energy drink in stores. So here's where I get off. When you think of the words charged. In any product. It's safe to say that this is not like other other drinks. Just like when you put the word energy with drinks. That this is not like. A regular lemonade, a regular soda, a regular juice, regular Gatorade. That when you go to Panera and there is something, there is words on the menu as to what makes this lemonade so charged. Like, even saying the word charged, there's an implication that this is not like other lemonades. This is not like other decaffeinated teas. This is not like any of the um, coffees. There's something special about this drink, right? So here you have a 20-year-old woman who dies after drinking the charged lemonade, I'm sure her friends that were there knew how many cups she had and to the succession that she had them before passing away. But I know that pardon probably never made it to the lawsuit. Then you have her family who's been well made aware of the condition that this woman had since she was a little girl. One risk, the person with a risk, a high susceptibility to irregular heartbeats, drinks a beverage that is high in sugar, high in caffeine, so on and so forth. Now you want Panera to pay the cost. Yeah, this is where I get off. So, fast forward. Panera, again, is facing... Another lawsuit, this time from the family of a man who was 46, went to his local Panair, drank three of the highly caffeinated beverages before suffering cardiac arrest in October. Down in Florida, he went to his local Panera, drank three charged lemonades on October 9th, then suffered a fatal cardiac arrest on his way home. Dennis Brown had an unspecified chromosomal deficiency disorder, a developmental delay, and a mild intellectual disability. He lived independently, frequently stopped at Panera after his shifts at a supermarket. Because he had high blood pressure, he did not consume energy drinks. The the lawsuit was filed on behalf of Brown's mother, sister, and brother less than two months after Panera was hit with a separate lawsuit regarding Sarah Katz, who we just talked about who was an Ivy League student with a heart condition, who died in September of 2022, after she drank a charged lemonade. That lawsuit called the beverage a dangerous energy drink and argued that Panera failed to appropriately warn consumers about its ingredients, which included a stimulant guarana extract. Panera has long sense has advertised its charged lemonade as plant based and clean which is much as caffeine with as much caffeine as our dark rose coffee. Three hundred and ninety milligrams of coffee. A large thirty fluid ounce charge lemonade has more caffeine in total than any size of Panera's dark rose coffee. The large cup contains more than the caffeine content of standard cans of Red Bull and Monster Energy Drinks combined, plus the equivalent of nearly thirty teaspoons of sugar. The FDA says healthy adults can safely consume 400 milligrams of caffeine a day. Which at this point, after detailing the health background of these two individuals, neither one of these people were healthy adults. So here's where, again, I get off. while I get that we want to hold the other party accountable these are two adults with pre-existing conditions and you have this product that whose, whose information is accessible and it's not like Panera doesn't have regular lemonade or different kinds of fruity lemonade or other juice choices that are not charged lemonade. While anybody can file a lawsuit, not every lawsuit sees light of day, light of day. And they say that Brown had consumed charged lemonades in the days leading up to his death. In the lawsuit that was filed in Delaware where Panera's Incorporated, it's unclear whether Brown knew how much caffeine and other stimulants were in the drink, which at the time of his death was available in self-serve dispensers and offered side-by-side with all of the store's non-caffeinated or less caffeinated drinks, the suit says. They say his cause of death was cardiac arrest due to hypertensive disease, said said it expressed our deepest sympathy for Mr. Brown's family that it stood by the safety of its products. Like at some point you just have to, you know, it's unfortunate. However, you have two adults here with families that were well aware of their pre-existing health conditions. And unfortunately, these two people consumed large amounts of discharged lemonade with these pre-existing conditions. And you want Panera to pay the costs, Which they probably will. But from my perspective, Mr. Fox of the I Refuse podcast, you know, we're killing ourselves softly. You know, whether it's mentally or psychologically by putting kids as young as grade school age in handcuffs and sending them to the ER for psych evaluations because they misbehave in class or it's these kind of cases where we, even when we're as young as in our 20s or as old as Dennis Brown was have these pre-existing conditions possibly running the risk of danger at any turn down to what you eat and what you drink and then you multiply the drinks of this charged lemonade and you go into cardiac arrest it's very unfortunate but You know, we've always had like an unhealthy standard when it comes to health and habits. And some of that stuff, while some of that stuff can be passed down into genetics and your DNA. You have all this life and all this opportunity to regulate and moderate yourself. And probably you don't need two, three, four cups of this charged lemonade. Anyway, after Katz's uh, lawsuit by her family, you know, Panera put more detailed disclosures. In all of his restaurants and on his website's warning customers to consume the charged lemonade moderation. Saying that it is not recommended for children, people sensitive to caffeine, or pregnant or nursing women. Brown was a vital member of his family who always made everyone smile. Relatives filed the lawsuit to get the word out about the dangers of the drink. I mean... It's ultimately down to the person and what kind of conditions they have, and if they've had disclosures out since Kat, the Katz family's lawsuit, which was the almost a year to the day that Dennis Brown passed away, and that didn't stop Brown from drinking repeated cups and passing away on his way home and his family following a lawsuit. It's like, what more do you want at this point? Offline, I was talking to Mr. Great about these these, these stories with this charged lemonade and the pre-existing condition of the people that drank the charged lemonades. And the conversation went back to regret Recollecting lawsuits against Starbucks for putting too much ice in their coffee drinks. McDonald's for making their coffee too hot. What is the end game here? Because not having so much ice in your drinks... Is as easy as saying light ice, and not having hot coffee all over your lap. Is as easy as making sure they secure the lid before they give you the coffee. And I've already said my piece about the chicken nugget lady last season on the I Refuse podcast, so I'm just not understanding. what the end game here is for some people. Venera did their part after the first lawsuit and another person passed away. My understanding what more do people want? This is Mr. Fox, the IRFU's podcast. Who? it's crazy. IRFU's um, podcast is available wherever you get your podcast. You know, the YouTube channel is still here. Um, let's see. IRFU's podcast, After Dark, The Usual Suspects. Five seasons of the RFE's podcast is available wherever you get your podcast. You know, we're busting it out over here on the YouTube channel. The link to everything is on the profile on the Twitter at I Refuse Podcast. I'm Mr. Fox. Thank you for joining me and we will catch you guys later.